0: Everybody has been given something that makes them unique to them. You just have to find it. And sometimes you have to sit still long enough to understand it and not seek your happiness in someone else. And that's what I was doing.
1: Failing, failing, failing. I know. we talk about failure, some
0: battles you feel like you lost, and survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's
1: tough. I had to make some tough decisions. <laughs> We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, a blessing. Achieve your dream, and then what we do with it. And this is failing forward. All right, listeners, I am so excited because today we have Dr. Karen Bankston. She is a retired hospital executive and nurse. And I know this because early in my career, uh, she was one of my executives. She is a professor emerita with University of Cincinnati and she is the president and CEO of KDB and Associates Consulting Services, LLC. Welcome, Karen.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for the invitation.
1: So listeners, I remember the first time that I saw Karen and I believe that every person that I meet or I interact with and I have these like memories of, I'm supposed to see again. Karen had these high heel red, High heels. Do you remember these? Do you remember these? I, I don't remember them, but
0: I, I I have a story about high heels. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so
1: I am a uh, I'm like probably five years into my career at the Health Alliance, which was the largest hospital system in Cincinnati, and I'm running one of the people running our new hire orientation. Karen was it was. Were you the senior vice president? Were you what, yes, were president speech, of the university uh, hospital?
0: Chief operating officer.
1: Chief operating officer of university hospital. So all new hires would come through. Karen, we would, we would ask the presidents or CEOs to come in, chief operating officers to come in, all the leaders to welcome them. And you would do it and we would play a song for you and you'd dance in your red heels. And it just made everybody in the room like breathe. It was electric.
0: You know, one of the things that I, I, I think is you know I remember that, and one of the things I think that um, is important for leaders is to remember that the people that you're leading are just that people, yeah, and that that they're human and they have feelings, and that in order for them to do the work that you need them to do, you have to help them to remember that they're people as well. And, and you know, I, you, you mentioned those hills. And I, I had to chuckle, and the reason why I said I got a story about hills, um, I, I I had to go out, you know, no one's really going out a lot right. know, recently because of the pandemic and everything. and. I had I certainly hadn't been going out much, and um, but I had to put on makeup and get a little dressed up on on yesterday, and wear pumps, which to your point I have worn pumps daily for decades right okay? decades okay so so here i am i'm getting myself all fixed up and i'm going to go to this uh, meeting that I, I had on yesterday and my ankles were wiggling stop it barely <sighs> walk it was like oh my goodness i i hadn't had on i hadn't had on any pumps right. for probably well the, we had to go to a funeral. So, which was A year. about nine months ago, and that was the last time I had had on any, and they weren't as, as stiletto like uh-huh, the uh-huh. ones I had on, on yesterday. <laughs> so when you said that, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I I, I am not the lady that I <laughs> that I was <laughs> at that particular at that particular I time." I mean,
1: you had some like Tina Turner legs walking down that aisle. Yes. I can totally remember it. Okay, Karen. <laughs> For our listeners, get they love to hear, and I love to hear, tell me a little bit about where you grew up, what your family was like, um, where you were in birth order.
0: Well, you know, I, tell, I have told this story a lot and, and the reason why, I, and I use it a lot as part of my consultancy practice when I'm doing um, organizational change or doing any coaching with individuals who are seeking to find their place in the world. Um, I am the oldest child of four um, and my mom was a single mother. So she never married and we all have different dads. I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, Ooh, and I'm a okay. proud graduate of uh, Youngstown Public Schools um, and, and had a very interesting life in that um, I was born in the 50s. So yeah. I grew up in the, in the 50s and the, and the 60s as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, so during the time of a lot of transition for our, our country mm-hmm. and because of our um, situation as a family, certainly um, experienced some childhood trauma because it was not normal. There was no normalcy right. to single parenting at that at that time. Did, your, um, did
1: you guys have any family there? Like extended yes. family? Okay, so, so my like a grandparents my, or
0: something? We lived with my grandparents. So we lived with my grandparents, which, which had its, its, uh, its, uh, ups and downs. My, my grandfather was a steel worker. He worked in at Youngstown Sheet and Tube. If you know anything about Youngstown, you know, that I was, was going
1: to say yeah.
0: major steel town, major steel yes. town for the country. And, um, but it's, it, uh that that whole um, time period of growing up for me was uh, very challenging on multiple fronts uh, number one being faced with uh, my mom who who was very bright very smart graduated at age 16 and um, started college but didn't finish and and she was the baby so she was the youngest okay. of three um and 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 always throughout her her life always um, fighting for who she was and who she thought she could be. I felt that, yeah Um, and she dealt with the demons of being a black woman and a brown skin, a dark brown skin, black woman, like like I am. And the challenges that we had to face internal to our own community, as well as external to the community. Because of that, I got bullied. I got bullied. But my aunt, my mother's sister, um, worked with my mom and they worked to help. To try to bring me along because the good thing the positive part was that i was really smart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i you know i started school right after brown versus board of education got passed and so i got to go to school with the really smart white kids when i started school that was just that was really taking hold. let's put it that way
1: and was that, that good was for home. you
0: um
1: you know what i mean like
0: did yes it... i do know what you mean Tell? i do know what you mean and, and i'm really i'm really thinking through that because i don't know i don't know whether i could say it was good or bad um the the the, the children in our neighborhood we lived in an integrated neighborhood okay um and the my aunt and I have talked about this. My mother's sister, she's still alive. She's ninety-one years old. Mm. Uh, we wrote a, actually I actually have a memoir published, and, and this is in the book. Um, the 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 Children were children of immigrants, so um, they were Italian and Polish and Hungarian and Greek. You know, so really. Uh, European, and right. their parents had just got here, all right? So they didn't speak, many of them didn't speak English. Sure. And so they did not, and this is what my aunt and I have, have believed, many of them did not have the same kinds of beliefs that had, that others who kind of had been in the country already and had the belief of the Jim Crow laws and the whole segregation. They didn't have that yet.
1: Oh, gotcha. They didn't you. have that yet.
0: So the relationships uh, were different. Were different.
1: So, um, did do you feel like they had the same like unconscious bias as people who had been living in the U.S.? Um.
0: Not to the same extent.
1: Okay. Okay. Not okay. to the
0: same extent. Uh, although the, there were these differentials as we could play together. Yes. Outside. outside. But you would never go spend They didn't spend come in my night. house. No. They didn't come in my house. I didn't go in their house. Interesting. There was never there was never that kind of... And
1: like your parents and did, grandparents no. didn't spend time with no. them. Okay. No.
0: There was never that that type of, of interaction. They were uh, nicely manicured properties. Mm-hmm. Everyone owned their property. Mm-hmm. Nicely manicured lawns, you know, um, but there wasn't kind of a, this.
1: Kind of like a facade a little bit. Yes,
0: yes. And interestingly, um, when we got to high school, when it was time to go to high school, which would have been in the 60s, yes. I went to public school they went to Catholic school. Oh. And so you began to see, and this would have been at the height of the, the civil rights era. So this would have been 65, 66, 67, you know, and so the, the laws of now, the laws are changing. And now mm-hmm. everybody's talking about it. So even if you didn't know about it, you know about it now. Now mm-hmm. that's not to say that there weren't, um, things that occurred in the environment that would differentiate a black person from a white person, because there were. Um, But they weren't as um, obvious as they are even today. Really? Yes.
1: Like, give me an example. Um,
0: You, you, you would, you had more, it was more covert okay. issues of racism back then in
1: in our hometown mm-hmm. uh, than there is today. So uh, when you said Youngstown, my first yes. thought was, man, well, I first mob. thought of mafia. Yes. The mob. Yes. It's true. So, okay, so you live in Youngstown, you grew up in yes. Youngstown, yes. you graduate from high school, and then...
0: Yes. Yes. Well, um, well. However, before that, yeah. I you know, I talk about this this early childhood. I I begin to you know you grow up you become a teenager. You want to be like all teenage girls want to be. First of all, I wanted to, I wanted to have a father. Yeah. I wanted to have the what I saw on television. Even though the people on television didn't look like me, they did have families. Right, You know, so I wanted to have, and I didn't have that. And that bothered me because again, my family situation was not the norm. Everybody else had mother, father, family, right? Brothers yeah. and sisters. And, and so, um, and then my grandmother never accepted the fact that my mother didn't marry she never accepted my grand. My mother was definitely a daddy's girl and my, my, but her mother never accepted it. So there was always, um, um, a, a lot of turmoil uh, around and, that.
1: And like, was it faith based? Was she like, uh, yeah. So
0: yes, it was, it was a combination of faith-based and societal expectations. Sure. My grand my my grandparents, my you know, with my grandfather working in the mill was able to, you know, purchase a house even though he had to have a white guy sign for it because they didn't want any black people on the street. So that, uh... a white friend, you know, uh, uh, signed for it and then quit claim deed it back to my grandfather. That's how he got the house. So um but he did very well you know
1: yeah he, he, he provided he, he did he, he was...
0: provided it, did what he did what he was supposed to do and my grandmother wanted to live that life mm-hmm. right and my mother's um decisions so um my my grandmother wanted to live the, the the life that a quote middle-class family is supposed to live you know what i'm saying and my mother's yeah. de- choices uh got in the way of her being able to live that. So all of that kind of stuff um, led to my desire to seek comfort. And so subsequently I got pregnant. So my senior year after, after being awarded thousands of dollars of scholarships to college, I get pregnant. My mother is beside herself. She just cannot believe that this is happening. Okay, hold
1: on. Can we unpack that for a second? Yes. So take me back to that. What, like at that time, could you consciously, did you know it? Or how many years later did you realize I was seeking comfort?
0: Um, Years later, I realized I was seeking comfort. I did not know it.
1: And your mother's yeah, response it, was was hypocritical, really, right? Because she had been doing the same thing. Okay,
0: so yes. was there trauma with your mom? Ha- yes. Yeah. However, in her making her choices, yeah, um, she was fighting the pain of of loss because she was engaged the first time oh um and and uh and the second time it was like one time yeah 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 you know and then course. the third time she had given up on relationships she had just given up but she always said to me and to my sister who's number two and then there's two brothers yeah. i i don't want you to have to deal with any of the things that i did i dealt with you are going to college and that is that no no questions that that is that, right? And, and she was a very philosophical kind of person. She, I mean, she, was, she just had a brilliant mind um, and, and was very involved in the civil rights movement and things of that nature. She was very, very smart. But she, because my grandmother really did not know how to love, really it it just wasn't something that was passed on in our family my sister and i have talked about that no one ever said i love you no one ever said i care about you we didn't so i I think this
1: is really interesting because my my parents very much said that i think they broke that chain my my mom's mother i don't think said it that much it was more children um were seen but not heard Yes, And I think that's why my mom was the opposite.
0: Yeah, see? And my mother never got past that. So, so what about for you with your- well, So so I, but I always had in my mind that I needed, I wanted, it. I wanted what I saw on television and I lived in books. So I was mm. an avid reader and we, we lived Uh, Within walking distance of the library, yes, and I would go to the library, and I would take out as many books as they would let me. Usually, it was like five or six, and I would go home and I would all my books, and I would so I've read all the classics and everything. I mean, everything, you know. And I would just live in those books and in those stories, and you know, and really just wanted that for my life, and so. You know as i became a teenager and you know little guys started saying oh you're cute and whatever i thought oh, i could get that and you know birth control pills and all that hadn't come out yet
1: right, right. that
0: was just that was like right. really coming towards the end of of my teen years and so i ended up i ended up in my senior year getting pregnant so it was the only time i ever saw my mother cry it's the only time I ever saw my mother cry, she told me I was pregnant, and I, you know, it, it didn't dawn on me. I had horrible, what? horrible, horrible uh, menstrual cycles. Horrible. I mean, I get sick and cramps yeah. and throwing up. I mean, just horrible. Well, they stopped. That stopped, she... and so she tells. us she knew, and when she said it to me, I just burst out crying. I just cried. I just, you know, because here I am, I'm. Uh, not even six months away from graduating. I had all nice. these scholarships and a year now I'm pregnant. And back then, pregnant girls could not go to the right. s with everybody else. Right. So um I was very, very thin. I mean very, very thin. Okay. And so um I so I didn't look pregnant. And so what happened is I I married the my child's dad he was a couple okay. years older than me and he was in the air force okay. so i i married him um moved out of my grandparents home and moved into his parents home his uh, parents home his parents home wow. yes yes and then he goes off to you know he's in the air force so he goes off to where he's going um i begin to gain some weight Uh, but not like right ways. And so um, one of the teachers thinks I'm pregnant, calls my mom and she says, Oh no, I think she's just gaining some weight. But so she lies um, uh, for me. And then, you know, I'm national honor society. You know, I'm like, I'm all of this. So, um, so at any rate, I, I get through, Um, My senior year, I have my son about two weeks after uh, graduation and then I start college that fall. So I never stopped. I I just, I just kept
1: going. So, so you you do the college thing, you get married. How long do you stay married? Five years. Five years. And then
0: you didn't want to be married. You want to be married. So I, I, I got a divorce after uh, five years by this time, I'm a registered nurse. I'm uh, working you can at the pe- hospital. You can
1: financially take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. not, you know. And, um, but now, you know, I'm, I'm still now, I'm still working through this, who am I Thing, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and uh, I have, quote, an affair with a guy.
1: Yeah.
0: And get pregnant.
1: Stop it.
0: Yes yes and i was so embarrassed because here i am i'm a registered nurse i know how you get pregnant right? <laughs> <laughs> you know so... and uh, so I, I i i get pregnant again and i uh, i have my my son and, and the father and i you know we were together for i don't know five six years when I finally it's like, you know what, if we're, we're not getting married and this is just not what I want. And right. so that that was that. And during that period of time I go back to school and get another degree. Okay. So I get in what and here's what I learned about about that is that schooling and books was my comfort because I Ooh. I'm good at that. Yeah. I'm good at that. That's the yes. thing that I'm good that's at
1: your, that's your safety.
0: That's my safety. So I went back to school. I drove 80 miles to go to school to get get another degree. What do you degree. get the degree in? Well, I had an associate degree. My nursing was an associate degree. Yes. I went back and got a baccalaureate degree.
1: Got it, cut it. And okay.
0: then it had my second son. And then I had my tubes tied. Cause I'm like, I'm not having no more kids for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, not, I, I'm just not doing that no more.
1: So. You know, okay, listeners. Most of the time, I don't know where uh, my guests' um, sharings are going to go and lessons learned, and I'm chomping at the bit, Karen, because I don't know if you're going to talk about lessons learned from that or if you're going to talk about a lesson learned from something else.
0: I have lots of lessons learned. You know the lesson. The lessons learned from my early. let's say my early adulthood in terms of the 20s, and I share this with young women all the time, young girls when I'm asked to speak to them, is to stop and take time to figure out who you are and, and know that in spite of your circumstances, you are special you are special, and that everybody, everybody has been given something that makes them unique to them. You just have to find it. And sometimes you have to sit still long enough to understand it and not seek your happiness in someone else. And that's what mm-hmm. I was doing. Okay. I, I, was believing, I was believing that I needed the guy yeah, to make me happy because all I knew was that everything that I saw on television and in these books that I was reading, they all had mommies, daddies, and families, and they all did these wonderful things. And I had all these different, all the, you know, all the houses to the right and all the houses to the left had mommies and daddies and kids and people were happy. Now, you and I both know that it really is exactly like that, right. right? But to a kid, that's what it looks like.
1: So can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, I think I asked myself sort of like, who am I or what's unique about me in my 20s? And then I asked it again in my 30s. Yes. And then I'm still asking it again in my 40s. so i'm curious do you do you still ask that has and has it changed
0: um no i do not ask that um but i did but i'm also almost 70 so you know but but i did ask it for several decades up until maybe into my 50s um i uh you know, ended up getting married um, a second time and divorced and then a third time to the husband that I'm married to now. And in spite of, of uh, getting two more degrees, you know, I went gone to get my graduate degree and then go and get a doctorate. Wow. Um, and in spite of, of some pretty significant uh, professional successes, I still never felt that I was good enough. I still thought that there was something else, uh, even though I had come to understand what gifts that I had that I brought to the table. Yes. I, I, I came to understand, here's what, here's what I bring of value uh, to the table in order to accomplish certain goals. I had figured that out by the time I was about 40. Okay, But I still didn't feel necessarily good about me. You know, who, who, who am I, the person for my own joy? You know, where's the joy in, in my heart? Where's that joy and that happiness? I, I knew that I was able to uh, accomplish a lot of things professionally.
1: Yes, yes and yes.
0: But where is that joy? Where's the personal, where's the personal joy? And it, and I I would say I spent my, the decade of my forties working through that, working through that. by the time I was 50, I'd gotten it.
1: So I am listening to an incredible podcast with uh, Jay Shetty. He's interviewing Will Smith. And one of the things that they were talking about was, will said in the height of his acting career he was the most miserable at home his family wasn't happy and um he grew up with military a military father and so it was all around the mission and the, mm-hmm. really the activity right like the goal and and so what he and Jay are talking we're talking about was that you know the results of our activities are, most of the time outside of our control. Like we can work really, really hard, but if you look at it, it's pretty much outside of our control. Uh, but it's our response that really makes the difference. And so when you were talking about that personal joy, that, and, and you were saying, I had all these accolades. I mean, you, you achieved a lot, still are. So how do you get to that personal joy? How did you find that out?
0: What uh, it's you know, it's interesting because the the words that you just used that you said that uh, Will Smith used are very similar to what I had identified in myself. I couldn't understand how, right? Like, you know, I've got all these degrees and i now, you know, I became the CEO out of, the, out of Drake Center. Yeah, I've, re- I've received every award that you can get. I, you know, I got, you know, I got awards, you know, and people say, oh, yes, Dr. Banks. Is and, and yet, I was miserable. Mm-hmm. I was miserable because it did not, it did not take the place of, the warm fuzzy feeling that i think we all seek it didn't t- it it didn't do that it didn't yeah. feel that it didn't feel that that whole i mean i'm grateful it's of not course. that i'm not grateful yes yeah. i'm grateful um, for all of those things but i had to step back and separate out the the difference between those accomplishments and things that I've been able to do and who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the the, the degrees, the, the the education and the roles that I've held, that's not me the person. Right. You know who who is me the person? And and recognizing that I I me even without those things and still um, a kind and caring individual who can love and support um, not only myself because it starts with you but also with also others and find joy in even the simplest things mm. in life. You know, we take that we take that for granted sometimes when we get to a certain quote, status, right? Right, You right. know, we, we, we take it for granted. And and so I had to, it's almost like going back to the beginning <laughs> of, of your life and, and, and when you're small and really appreciating finding that four leaf clover in the grass.
1: Yes. Can I tell you something that I'm super into right now, which is so random, but you know, on any like meditation app, they'll tell stories. You yes. can get fables. Like those childhood stories that maybe your mother read to or that you read when you yes. went to the library, they're so simple, but they are like such a high impact, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that going back to the beginning. I think you're right on that. So I'm curious, was there a pivotal moment in which you were like, meh, I need to start changing things? Or was it just over time?
0: Wow. That's a great question, Sarah. Yeah. Um... And it's almost like I had phases, you know, I had phases. Um, you know, I said, uh, I had my my two sons, I had my second son when I was 22 and um, I'm working and, you know, divorced and, um, you know, I date every now and then but I'm really not focused on that at that particular point in time. I'm really, at that time, I'm a little depressed Uh, around then I get married again at 30 Mm -hmm. lasted six months he was abusive um Mm -hmm. and then I decide at that point I I, forget the relationship business forget it I'm just going to be try to be the best mother that I can be and the best uh, nurse, I was a nursing director. I'm gonna just try to be the best that I could be. I was the director of nursing up at Youngstown in what was then Western Reserve Care System. So, I'm just gonna try to be the best that I could be and yeah. and and just move on. Now, that's what I thought. Yeah, then I met my, my current husband and we became very good friends. And I realized, and, and we were really just friends, and I realized. Yeah that that was um a a relationship that could happen that i didn't even had had never even thought about Mm -hmm. and thought about seeing uh uh having a platonic relationship with a guy right didn't see them in, in that light and so that began for me to begin to look at things a little differently um not only from um, that relationship, but other relationships that I had on on the professional side, because at the same time that that was going on and I'm starting to assume uh, roles that have more responsibility, the issue of, of race and being a black woman yeah. Um, began to show its ugly face in the in the organization, and so now, I'm I'm in that um, that kind of um, trajectory of trying to figure out: do I do I allow myself to keep going? Yeah. In terms yeah. of the the promotional opportunities that are being afforded me, knowing that I'm going to be faced with some personal challenges against who I am, yes. both my professional my professional um, being as well as my personal being, and then how to, to do that at the same time, I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a 30-something-year-old woman. Oh it, it was, it was, my 30s were horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was a very, it was very tough, and then... I fall in love with the guy (laughs) and we get married when I said I wasn't getting married anymore. Um, and, uh, subsequently moved to Cincinnati, but, but so that, so that, that period of time there is that for me, that decade was a period of discovery. It was a period of discovery of maturing into, uh, an adult woman. Yeah but because I'm now at a point of not just um, attaining certain, you know, educational levels and jobs and being a mommy. I'm now having to really understand enough about myself because I'm now responsible for others.
1: Right. And you know what made me think of, it made me think of it's your discovery, and you're raising two small boys at the same time. That's right. So you said you said something about like phases, different phases. So that was a phase.
0: Yes, that was a phase. Then um, coming to Cincinnati was very interesting. Why? I told, Why? I told uh, Tanya this yesterday too. Well, I got recruited. Okay. I had come to, I had come to Cincinnati uh, to collect some research data for my graduate, uh, thesis. Okay. And uh, so I was down here for about six weeks and on the, at, at university hospital. And, uh, on that last week, they took me to lunch at one of those restaurants that used to be on the river. Okay. And they said, what can we do to, um, get you to move down here? We, we are so impressed. With you, we could. Re- we'd really like you to join our administration, and you know, can you, would you mind moving down here? Like, i no, not at. That. I mean, I was. I mean, you know, at the time, my mother was still alive. My oldest son was uh, getting ready to be a senior in high school. Um, I. Had just got married again. Right. I was I was next in line to be the vice president for nursing at the hospital. There was no no reason for me to leave. Um, so I said no. Um, and so when I was telling um, Bo about it, and he was like. Your husband. We don't need to stay in, yeah. We don't need to stay in Youngstown. You know, Young, and Youngstown was starting to die about then. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the meals closed in the in seventy in the seventies and things were starting to change. And so I, I, I went through the the process and ended up getting hired as an administrator at university hospital, which was still then part of the university. But here's the deal. I come down here, and every time they um, introduce me, they say, "We'd like to uh, introduce you to Karen Bankston, our new African American administrator." Every time what? we'd like to, we like you to meet Karen Bankston, our new African American administrator. What the hell, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I remember saying to to David Fine, who was the CEO of the hospital at the time, and like, look, when I walk in the room. You could tell I'm black. I'm not one of those like people you have to kind of try to guess whether I'm black or not. You could tell. Why are you saying that? Well, what? Yeah, what what is the why? The the why was you know you know they were working so hard at changing the community's perception of the hospital. You know, it had it had only four years before been Cincinnati General. Okay. It had, it had um, a racist past mm-hmm. and they were accused of not having any uh, black people in leadership. So here they brought me, you know, and so I'm like, okay, that's great. But I'm thinking you hired me because I've got some smart. experiences yeah. that you all don't have and I'm smart. And so I, I, was, I was totally, totally upset over that, right? Yeah. And it didn't yeah. help. That the black community didn't want me either, because I didn't Why? go to school here. I didn't go to school here. I didn't go. To I wasn't a part of the oh, black community. God. So, so now I've gone through this phase that I just talked about, where I'm just. Hold on, hold to on. Come... Do you
1: know what it reminds me of, though? Yes. The you had the experience as a child, not fitting in, and you figured it out. Yes. And then you're you're given the other an opportunity. Yes. It's a yucky opportunity, but. You could do it. Yes. Yes, and I and I had to figure it out again. I, you know, I I, I I I I remember. Do you saying, think it was the know, universe saying you haven't taught, but you haven't figured out the lesson yet, or was it the universe saying, "Look, you figured it out. We need your help on this"?
0: I think it's a combination of both because I do believe that that our steps are ordered and predetermined. So I, I believe that we're placed in places because we're supposed to be there. And we're and I do believe that we're supposed to learn something from every step.
1: I agree on both. Yep. Yeah, so
0: I think that I don't it's know both. if I
1: think it's predetermined. I, I don't know about that, but I do think there's a purpose behind it. Because I do think we have free will in there too. Do you feel like we have free will in there too? Do. I do think we have free will. I, I believe, you know, that this is my my
0: interpretation of what some of what the Bible says. I believe that God already knows what we're going to do and, and how we're going to get there. So our steps have been ordered. But he allows I us to make that. De- that he allows us to make decisions yes. that sometimes takes us on the off the path that he had already designed for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, and but I... there's a lesson on that. But there's a lesson to yes. do that. There's a there's a lesson in doing that.
1: So I'm going to go back to my Will Smith interview with Jay Shetty because it was yes. amazing. He says that life is not a candy store. Life is school. And yeah, if you think I get, life is can, a candy store, you're going to be sadly mistaken. It's about learning. That's right. And uh, I and, and it's like,
0: lifelong.
1: And it's lifelong. Mm-hmm. And don't you want it to be? I mean, you, somebody yes. who loves to read, you're an avid yes. learner. Like you love yes. life, yes. and you know what? Any person that meets you knows that you love life. Yes,
0: and that le- that learning is what kept me in Cincinnati because oh. I was here three months. I was ready to go back to, go back home. I, really? I was like, I thought the people here are crazy. <laughs> you know, and I just, well. I, I, you know, and then what? what began to happen is that i could see the possibilities i could see the possibilities
1: okay how i could
0: see in in just talking to people who were willing to talk to me
1: yeah okay um, I could see the possibilities. And, but you, and... But hold on, Karen. You had to be open to talk to them or That's they correct. probably would not have received it, right? That's correct. And, and that is absolutely correct. And you know what?
0: Here, here's the thing. The people who who may have been the ones to do the talking to me, you know, other administrators, other professionals, were not necessarily the ones who did the talking. The ones who did the talking yeah. were the older, chronologically older, yeah. non-professional individuals who looked like me, who were so proud oh. that I had been selected for that job. Yeah. So now what's happened during, during this phase is I'm now carrying the burden. So now I've realized now I'm carrying the burden. So now I'm this, I'm understanding that the organization is trying to change the perception and they're trying to establish itself as a unique provider of care and services for the vulnerable population. And, and a lot of them are black and there are all these black employees and somebody's got to show them how to do it. and, And oh, by the way, it might be you. I had never been in that that role. I came from a private sector uh, a community hospital system that I was the only person. So this, when so think, so I, I had so, to learn that.
1: And was that? Did you correct me if you just correct me if I'm wrong? Did you say was that a burden? It was a burden. It was. It was. A, I think it was that a, would be a lot to carry. It is a lot. It is
0: absolutely a lot. It's how long a
1: lot in how long in that phase? How long did you do have that job for?
0: I w- I say that I I saw that work um, like 15 20 years. Uh, no, not that. I would say at yeah. least 10, at least 10, 10 because once, you know, th- there was a difference, not maybe not even 10, because there was a different, mm, let me, let me say it this way. There was a differential in that feeling when the hospital transitioned from being UC to the health lines.
1: Oh, and because so the focus
0: changed. Because yeah. the focus changed, the focus changed, and while that was a major focus when I came on board, it was diminished when we became the health lines, and then my my role really had to transition backwards in some regards to the way that I functioned when I first came. So I had to relearn oh a skill set. We yeah, relearn a skill set.
1: Did the people still need you to carry that burden even when we transitioned to the health alliance?
0: Yes. And, that- and for
1: listeners, that was just a larger healthcare system that all came together, that merged.
0: Right. Okay. It's the I always tell people it's the, the predecessor of uh, UC Health.
1: Right, right. Yeah, only, only it was so bigger. Only it was bigger.
0: It was, it became more complicated. It became oh, more complicated yeah. because it put me in a different uh, set of circumstances. And I had to once again begin to think about who I am and what's my purpose here. So, so I get into this, to this phase where, you know, with the, with the um, development of the Health Alliance, where I feel an obligation to the people who were really beginning, they were really just beginning to shift the culture enough to begin to change the perception of who they were, which helped me With who i was Mm -hmm. and so as we transitioned to this larger organization um, i was able to find a way to um, move into other types of roles that were significant from the perspective of the of the organization um provided me with some new uh, skill sets, yeah. and and afforded me an opportunity to real to realize that I was um, important and and bigger than even I thought that I was. If that makes so any sense,
1: it does make sense. And uh, I also think that you all, even though you had such a big role, you always seemed grounded. And going back to your comment earlier about, like, knowing who you are, it seemed like you always knew who you were. I always I, I always was reflecting on who I was.
0: I was always reflecting on who I was. I didn't become secure in caring. Secure in caring. And my values and what I believed in, and being able to debate and argue in in support of what I believed in with anybody until I was in my fifties, mm-hmm. I, I would no, I I I had struggled so with the issues of. Who I am as a person, what I believe in, and you know what? Doggone it! I am not going to allow you to change that for these reasons. Mm. Or, this is what I believe, but here are here's where I can compromise and still hold true to who I am. It took me till I was probably 50, in my fifties before I got really comfortable with who I was. But you see, Sarah what i had learned to do what i had learned to do was i learned how to hold all of that stuff inside anything that i might have been feeling yeah. uh in terms of my my own inadequacies my own my own self in it, beliefs that i was inadequate or or things i was i would never let anybody see that i would never let because i always felt it that the concern was only mine Mm. and that it was my responsibility to figure it out. And, and some of that belief really kept me pretty lonely. So that's why when I talk about, I had all these successes and accolades and all these wonderful things, but inside I was just this, not. I had no joy. So mm. when I finally was able to, to bring together um, all of these learnings over all these, these years, I was finally really able to see just the joy in living. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, again, finding that four-leaf clover in the grass. You know, understanding the importance and the significance of why when you go to the beach, the the ocean can go out and come back and not drown you. You know, there's there's significance to that. And there's joy in understanding why that happens. And because I can't swim. And am I not so grateful that that ocean does that every day, just like it's supposed to. And so now, you know, now I'm, I'm at a point that life is way too short and too precious for me to allow myself to get wrapped up in things that causes me pain. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't allow those things to, to happen. I, I, I always knew that we had choices. Yeah. I always knew that we had choices about our life and life's decisions, but I did not always feel as though I had given myself permission to make those decisions.
1: Wow. That's
0: that. it's tough getting there.
1: It, it is tough getting there, but it's worth it. Right. It's yes. worth the journey. And that's why, um, there are certain times when I'm interviewing people and I get so into the flow of what they're saying that I don't even realize what's going on around me or time and space, you know? And when you were talking about that four leaf clover, that was the flow for me. So thank you. I, I am so grateful that I saw you on that mentoring Monday and that you said, (laughs) hi, I just, um, You were, like I I said, you were on my short list um, at the way, way beginning listeners. You didn't hear that, but it's really amazing how the universe kind of brings you the people in your life that you're supposed to talk to when you're supposed to talk to. And so thank you.
0: You are so very welcome. Thank you for having me and uh, allowing me to share a nugget or two here and there. You know, it's, I, you know, I think that this is one of the things that I'm supposed to do.
1: Here, here. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.